Hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. And we're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. And for those of you that have been listening, you'll know that we have been running a little bit of a property series. I'm not sure if we can make it as formal as a property series, but we are focusing on the early stages of our property journeys and why we've done the things we've done. And in recent episodes, we spoke with Pam and Tanya about why they made the choices they made in terms of their property investment. And also, Mr. Pither, my uh, partner on this podcast, has recently got some cash in hand or cash in bank and is looking at new properties to invest in. So is now out in the market and looking at properties. And we thought it'd be quite good just to run through, well, have a chat about your decision-making process and understand what sort of things you're looking at live and direct as we're as you're doing it. So you have been looking at a couple of properties and would you like to just tell us a little bit more about what you're looking for at the higher level before we just dive into the to specifics? Yeah, certainly. I'm I'm relatively choosy about the the kind of property I'm looking for. So I'm very definitely looking for freehold. I, I don't want to go leasehold. I'm most likely looking for a two or three bedroom house in an area relatively close to me. So I live in Red Hill. So I'm looking in Red Hill, Merstham, Earlswood, Hawley, maybe Rygate, but that's probably too expensive um, for what the the kind of thing I'm looking for. That's sort of the, the core of what I'm looking for. However, I would quite like, or by the way, I like the idea of a block of flats as well. So the the principle of that being that you get more rental units and hence a bit more resilience to the market. So rather than having, say, two houses, for the same money, you might get three flats, maybe. And if you can get those three flats in a single block, then you can have the freehold. So that satisfies my anti-leasehold stance. And it means that I've got three tenants. So when one leaves, I'm only losing a third of my income rather than half of my income if I've got two houses. That That's the principle anyway. Whether it would work out that way, I don't know. And maintaining a block of flats probably has more maintenance overhead than trying to maintain a house or even a couple of houses. So how that would balance that, I don't know. But anyway, so they're, they're sort of the the top level things I'm looking for. Probably a two or three bed freehold house or a small block of flats. And what sort of budget are you working with? Well, if I'm going for the house, I will, over the course of this year, be looking for two houses is the plan. And I'd like to find something around the 300,000 mark for for each house. So Mm -hmm. if it's a two bed, I'm probably going to need to look a bit lower than that. If it's a three bed, I'll probably be looking slightly higher than that. But, but not much if I want to get two houses out of my, my total budget. If I'm looking for a small block of flats, then obviously I can combine those two budgets together and, and hence have a, a higher total. However, that higher total is then harder to, to calculate on, on flats because the, the financing and, and things are, are different. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's harder. But perhaps I could say maybe... 600 ish sort of (laughs) 
And when you're thinking about that, and I'm just thinking about the audience that is is thinking about how they start, are you working this out on the premise of a premise of a 75% loan to value product or buy to let product? Yes, I'm looking at uh, 75% loan to value, standard vanilla buy to let for the houses at least. Obviously, that wouldn't apply for the block of flats, but, but certainly for the houses. And as well, the, the standard sort of rental uh, rental cover requirements, you know, 5% stress rate at 50% rental cover, something something in that region anyway. Yeah, depending on the bank can be 5, could be 5.5, I've heard recently. You're looking at five-year fixes rather than two years. Yeah, and then you've got the 145, 155% rental coverage. Yeah, exactly. It, it varies a bit. And I'm basing the figures I'm currently using in my estimates on some past, or in fact, the most recent mortgage availability that I was looking at, which was around the end of last year. So it might actually be slightly out of date now. So when I when I find something I'm really interested in, I'll go back to my broker and, and get up-to-date figures. But hopefully I won't be too far out. Cool. So you've got those criteria. You started looking and you've uncovered a couple of, uh, you do seem to find the, uh, in inverted commas, interesting properties. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it was meant that way, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've got two that I've picked out that I thought might be interesting to look at today. One of them, well, no, let me rephrase that. Both of them got noticed by me because of the area they're coming up for. So they're, they're both auction properties, I should say. Obviously, auctions, generally speaking, cover quite large areas. So when you're looking through auction catalogs or auction sites or whatever, you often don't find anything in a, a fairly small local area that you're looking to invest in. So these caught my eye, firstly, because they're in my investment area. And secondly, because the headline uh, sort of asking price or guide price looks attractive. So the first one we're looking at is it's a two-bed house. It's actually a, a fully detached two-bed house. It looks relatively nice from the, the initial picture. And the guide price is only 180000 And it's in Red Hill, I should say, the, the other vital bit of information. So a two-bed house in Red Hill for 180000 sounds too good to be true. Uh, a, typically, a two-bed house in, in Red Hill, you'd be looking at well, around the 300,000 mark. Maybe a little bit lower if it needed some work, maybe a bit higher if it didn't and was was in really good area and good condition, but around the 300,000 mark. So one for 180, certainly caught my, caught my attention. That's obviously enough for me to, to go and have a, have a poke at the actual details on the, the auction site listing. And you, you look through the, the property details, you look through the, the photos, and actually, as we've been re-looking at it today, uh, you notice there's a, a virtual tour as well, which makes it look look very nice. It's not it's not perfect by any means. It's relatively old house. the The windows probably aren't double glazed from the look of them, so there, there's some improvement there. And indeed, it has an EPC of F, so there's there's clearly some improvement needed there. It's got a, a downstairs bathroom, which also isn't ideal, generally speaking. For the price, there's nothing really obvious that that screams no, no, this is terrible. So it needed a little bit more more digging, and 
one of the things I always do with properties, once I've looked around the, the, the photos, the floor plan, if there is one, and got sort of basic idea of, of what's there and what the, the property is, is I'll then go and have a look at Google Street View. Have a look at the road, see see what's around it, what that, what that's like. And that's actually what I went to do for this property. And I couldn't find it. <laughs> I walked up and down the, the road on Google Street View that, that it, the, the address is for. And I couldn't find the property. And obviously, you know what the property looks like from the, the listing photo. So you walk up and down the road looking for a property that looks like that. And there was just nothing. Nothing looked even close to it. So then you think, okay, well, maybe the address is wrong. Maybe it's actually off down a, a side road or something. It's got a sort of slightly odd address. So I had to look around a little bit around the surrounding roads. Still couldn't find it. So, okay, new, new tactic to try and find it. Go to the satellite view of Google Maps. So from the, the floor plan and the, the photos, external photos of the house, you can tell sort of roughly the shape of it. You can tell there's a, a pitched roof on the main thing, what looks like probably a flat roof on the uh, sort of side extension, and you've got the shape and how they fit together. So, okay, Google satellite view, have, have a hunt around for a house that fits that shape. <laughs> and, um, and it took me a little while. I, again, I sort of walked up and down the road and, Again, confirmed that there definitely isn't anything there that looks looks right. So then you start looking at slightly slightly wider area, and there I found it in some people's gardens. Basically, <laughs> in, uh, there's a, a little chunk taken off three or four of the other houses' back gardens, and that's where this house is. Now that's relatively common, especially these days. You have houses being built in people's back gardens that are sold off all the time, and you have a, a, a nice driveway through to them and they end up sort of being a little private road and little nice looking sort of area for for those houses to be be developed and built in that wasn't the case with this house the only access to this little plot of land at the back of people's gardens is two footpaths there's one from the road that actually has the address for this house and then there's another one from a road sort of on the other side and that's it two footpaths each of which is probably 50 metres of walking before you get to the house. <laughs> so it's not, not a short walk either from, from each of the roads. No, and I think um, just, just for sort of listeners' benefit, and I'm, I'm sure you put, we'll put a link to the satellite map just, just for people's reference, but immediately you might think, because as Simon's mentioned, I used to live in a, in a property where actually you couldn't get to a road. It was actually in the middle of a green and you'd have to drive around the back, but it was all very pleasant, and there, there were garages a few yards away. But I think it's also worth covering off that those footpaths you mentioned are, you know, fences for other people's gardens. So it's actually they're just—I would envision them to be like alleyways that you walk down uh, in between houses to get to this house. So essentially, there's—it's—it's it's like Simon, like you've said, it's in—it's behind people's gardens, but surrounded. Because when you said it was landlocked, I've—I wondered what you meant. Obviously, I knew what that meant and when I saw it I was like wow it, it truly is it's like someone you, as we said we don't know which way around it would have happened that whether one property just said oh, I've got a pl- spare bit of land at the back let's just put a house on it uh, or that house was there and sold some other land that eventually got built around it but either way it's very strange yeah indeed and the the current owner or the let me rephrase that. It hasn't been sold for a long time, this house. So it's obviously 
been as it is for for quite a long time and and hasn't changed so it's um having found it and worked out the the access problems and it's got no parking of its own so you, the the alleyways uh, go out to two different roads which do have limited street parking but there's no dedicated parking for this property or anything there's no driveway there's no garage there's no uh, anywhere to to put a car and the closest you could potentially park a car would be at the end of one of these alleyways on roads that are are fairly heavily competed for in terms of parking spaces so overall once i got to this point that that was this this property out it is very cheap probably very cheap but it's just going to be it's not going to be appealing enough i don't think to to a typical renter who is just going to want convenience it it's failed at the first or second hurdle basically and the um the, the first thing i thought about was was it immediately that was the practicality i just imagine people with sofas and beds on their shoulders trying to get through these alleyways the the, the other thing i do think about at this stage of the buying process and obviously that was all desktop research wasn't it that you did there so you've done yep. you haven't you haven't made any phone calls you haven't no. yeah you haven't spoken with any agents so so that's all desktop research which is pretty good the the other thing that springs to my mind about this is what i think particularly as as investors if we're wearing our investor hat and what we're we're looking at i think when you're looking at prices clearly that was a around a 40% discount of of an average price in that area you know there's a problem and the question will always be am i willing to solve this problem and of course certainly i i would be exactly the same as you i would certainly wouldn't be willing to solve that problem for me it might have fallen at the earlier hurdle of the upstairs being the two bedrooms that are in a rectangle split in half because my first thought is in modern day living i haven't met certainly not in my household my partner wouldn't wouldn't ever consider a house without a bathroom upstairs now some people can take that again if you're going to discount price there's other levers you can pull but for me that's that's a big one so first thing is can i solve that problem and of course you could there might be an extension of that kind of thing but um that, that's just the other thing I wanted to sort of score f- for people thinking about is there will always be a problem. It's just whether or not we want to solve those problems. Yeah, indeed. Or indeed, whether they are solvable. Because I, I, I mean, there's no space to widen these footpaths. You can't pick the house up and move it to a more accessible place. You can't, I, I, you can't get parking available for it because there just isn't any around that area. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I should say, so, solve or accept in, in that scenario it's it's an acceptance that i will get a property potentially for a, a very good price but what would that mean well, firstly in terms of resale stroke exit you're likely to take the same hit uh e- even if relatively speaking the property's increased you, you're gonna you're gonna struggle at the at the back end or i.e the exit and then Likewise, you're probably looking for a, a niche market because you've got a few challenges that we've already talked about from potential tenants. Would they want to pay as much? Would that go down, etc.? And and all of a sudden, you've got you you haven't just got that fixed problem. You've then got other problems that resulting from that. Yeah, exactly. I think you'd have you'd suffer from lower demand from tenants, so it'd be harder to rent. You'd have more voids, and you're going to be looking at a, a lower rent as well. So that was a no, but the the next one you looked at actually would have piqued my interest as well. Actually, I do like, and it was a very nice building. Yeah. So this one, 
this one was a lot more of a, a struggle to dismiss. <laughs> and not really because it was short of problems. <laughs> but as you say, just because it's a, a much more appealing proposition. So this is a block of flats. It's very close to Red Hill Town Centre, so it's good location. The The area it's in is not sort of one of the best areas of Red Hill or anything, but even the bad areas of Red Hill are actually not that bad. And, and this is sort of in a medium area somewhere, so it's perfectly good from that point of view. The building looks nice. It's split up as four flats, so it's more than I would potentially expect for for my money and the guide price for it was 550,000 so within my potential budget and on the surface four flats looks great really good value so again you have to ask <laughs> what's wrong with it <laughs> and as soon as you start start digging it it's not hard to come up with quite a long list <laughs> so it's a freehold block of flats with four flats inside it. At least three of those flats have leaseholds against them, as in title deeds. One of those leaseholds has been sold off and is owned by another party, third party. That's got 121 years left on the the lease. The other two leaseholds are owned by the seller and they're included in the sale. However, there are still leasehold titles there. So you just mentioned three leaseholds there? Yes which is one of the interesting points. I couldn't find quite where the fourth flat is. (laughs) So my assumption from looking through the legal pack was that it's still on the freehold, the main freehold. However, at least on my cursory read of that title, it it, it doesn't seem to be specifically mentioned. So so yes, I'm not quite sure where that that would fall. But anyway, one one slight red flag. Yeah, not being able to find a property. You you found two properties where neither of which you both of which you struggled to find. Yes, indeed. <laughs> a common theme. <laughs> Hiding properties. <laughs> <laughs> the So yeah, I've got I've got one one red flag about it, but let's keep going. It, it's an interesting property. Keep keep looking. There are three flats left then. So one one has been sold as a leasehold. So that's out of the picture. There's £200 a year ground rent paid on that leasehold. That's it. So we've got three flats left. Two of them are let on ASTs currently, and one of them is empty. Of those three, we've got two two beds and one one bed. One of each, a two bed and a one bed, are let, and the third one, the empty one, is a two bed. The photos and information about the property, and in fact, there's a little video that they made available for their so-called virtual tour were only of the empty flat but looking around those photos and the the video you could see it needed some maintenance it hadn't been super well cared for from the looks of it and it it clearly needed some work but also from the external photos and indeed from the video you could see that access to this empty flat was via an external metal staircase. And this is up three or four floors, depending on how you, you count it. So it's, it's quite a high external metal staircase that didn't look particularly appealing to me. 
And presumably there's an external staircase because there's no space inside the building to, to provide access to, to these flats, which again, I didn't like very much. And when I mentioned this to, to my, my dad, he pointed out that maintenance on that and safety concerns on that external staircase would probably end up being a bit of a headache as well. So it's, it's not looking so good already. And then as you dig into it more, you find that it's got relatively old windows that would probably need work. Uh, EPCs are not awful, but they would probably need some improvement, certainly going forwards where the EPC requirements are getting, going to get stricter. And the, the sort of structure of the building might require some extra maintenance as well. So part of it's got a flat roof, which is often a bit of a concern. And obviously it's a very high flat roof because it's each flat is a floor. So there's there's four floors to the, the building. So that's that makes it difficult to, to gain access and to to work on roofs that high. The overall sort of package though was really appealing. But I and actually perhaps I should take a step back and talk a little bit about the finances. So guide price, 550. For the current income from the two ASTs and the tiny ground rent, the yield, the gross yield, was 2.8%, which is pretty appalling. But, of course, you've got an empty flat. So as soon as you add in a rent for the empty flat, you're going to be looking at a, a gross yield of around 5%. So that's a bit more healthy. And the two ASTs that are in existence already... They've been there for quite a while, and the the current rent for those is below what the current market would provide. So you've you've obviously got scope for potentially increasing those a little gradually over time, or when they move out, you'd have increased rent there. And hence, you'd be looking at a, a gross yield probably up to six ish percent, and allowing for purchase price. And perhaps having to put in an initial repair of around 40,000. I suspect that's probably a bit on the low side, but, but anyway, go, go with that. You're going to be looking at a return on investment of between 6 and 7%, probably. So it's, it's fairly appealing, assuming mm. sorting out sort of the, the title deeds and EPCs and dealing with that external staircase and hoping there's nothing wrong with the flat roof that's four floors up. So there's lots of unknowns, lots of concerns, lots of risks. But if that went well, it, it could be an okay okay purchase. So I, I was still sort of a little bit tempted just because it's it's a nice building and it's a block of flats, which is something I'd really like. And it's probably just about within my budget. And yeah, I was I was very tempted. But overall I, I got scared off by their most likely being lots of work required. And one of my investing principles at the moment is relatively low time input to the to the processes. And I don't think this would be that. So I didn't uh, I didn't go to the auction. Obviously it's a virtual auction, but but I didn't didn't go to it. I didn't did bid for it. And this has now been to auction, it has sold and it sold for the asking price. And there was one bid at the asking price and that was it. There's there was, there was no other, no other bid. So I probably could have got it fairly cheaply, um, assuming that other person didn't want to bid up too much more. But, but yeah, mm. I don't know. I did a very, 
very obviously a very rudimentary check and because obviously we live in the area so we know the area quite well and I was thinking one bed's definitely around in, around the 200 mark depending on quality and proximity of the station but if you uh, and I had a quick look on on right move so the the lowest cost one bed which looks okay is 175 so and and accepting that there's a mix of one beds and two beds but if we worked on the premise let's just say they were all it was four one beds and the lowest price as of now that you can get a one bed for asking price is 175 that gives you a total gdv of 750k obviously that's depending so so for me as i started looking at that i became more interested because that's they're the sort of numbers i like looking at although you do have to take one of the, those flats out because it's it's sold or at least sold because it's not yours Mm. right so so you've only got the three so you've got um which takes it up to five two five and, and the, the so that that makes it a much five five two five of potential potential value one seven five times three yeah so my my calculations were a bit different from that because you say you've got two of them are two beds yeah it, it, I, i'm trying to put a sort of total value to it as you say you've got two two beds and a one bed and the freehold for the, the block. So my sort of thoughts were that it would be in the 600 to 650 range. Yeah, yeah I would, I'd say 650 for me would be optimistic, but around 600 sounds reasonable. I think the, um, the other thing that I was just thinking about that, that, that would concern me right now is just leasehold and, we've, and owning those leases because of the, and we're not going to get into it today, but because of the, what came out a week or so ago around what the plan is with the leases? I'm, as a, as a leaseholder, I'm I'm quite excited about what the potential may bring. But as someone, the freeholder that, that has those leases, I'd be a bit concerned about what that means for the future and whether people can just take take those rights back. Or, or I I don't know. Obviously, I've not done no research on it. But so that that was the one thing. But in terms of a, a property, it's, it's a nice property, and I understand it. And just on some of those concerns. It always depends on experience, doesn't it? My first property actually had a metal staircase up to the flat. It was above a, it was above a shop, and you had to go around the back, and you know had metal staircases, which which was far from ideal. But actually, once you're up there, it made no difference. And the the other thing I was just thinking about from your perspective, because you mentioned the yields, and we had we hadn't really sort of talked about that actually in terms of your hunt. Like, would you would you look at a gross yield? and use that as a criteria to continue looking at the property or not because i know it's something i do if it, if it doesn't meet my first sort of if i look at it and I think oh that's that's quite interesting i'll then do a very quick calculation on asking price and what i believe the potential rent will be and if it if it meets the target gross yield then i'll carry on looking at the details but if it doesn't i won't what's your process there i tend not to look at gross yield very much because i i use Patma quite extensively to have my sort of investment scenario set up in there already. It's very quick and easy for me to to get a uh, an ROI figure, so a, a net yield, depending on how you want to look at it. So, so that's really the figure I use, and my range for that is quite wide. So, well, I'm not sure I would really put an upper upper limit on <laughs> what I'm looking at actually, but. I would be looking at, at sort of four percent as a minimum, so that's that's a relatively low minimum bar to to get over. If it was 
really the right right property and I thought it had potential in the future but yeah that that would be my my minimum sort of check for that yeah and it's a good point because of course there will be things that break my model it depends what I'm thinking about if I'm thinking I'm buying this purely for cash flow in the short term i.e one to three years that's what I'm looking at but then equally those that block of flats that you looked at I would just looking at it already puts I have half an eye on the future, you know, 10 years down the line, because I'm thinking actually they're it's really nice properties. We know the area very well, quite confident that when everything comes out in the wash, that property values will increase, particularly in this area. We know there's a lot of investment in the area, et cetera. So that is something else to consider in terms of the capital appreciation. So uh, I, I think that's a really good insight just to to your process and how you've managed to uncover couple of interesting properties i think on the block of flats if it had been a block with three flats in it and the three flats had been fully owned in the freehold so there, there was no separate leasehold flat in there at all I, I would have been very very tempted to to try and overcome whatever other hurdles there were and, and certainly the physical things of so there's only three flats it would have been slightly lower as well so it would have reduce concerns about access to roof and whatever else so it, it yeah if it had just been the three flats rather than the three flats plus one having already been sold on leasehold I, I would have yeah I, I would have been a lot more tempted and, and indeed I, I think I may well have even at least gone to the auction yeah <laughs> <laughs> at least attended yeah as you say that that having that leasehold flat in there just just adds that extra complication because you're then you're then a property manager for that leasehold as well as sort of the, the freeholder and, and looking after the property as a whole for your own properties. So it, it adds extra legal requirements on you apart from anything else. And it was clearly a, pri- a, a problem someone else was willing to solve and and has done. And I, I was just thinking, it's funny, I was just thinking that the challenge was that you couldn't see two of the bedrooms. So you don't know what, to two of the flats, you mean? Sorry, two of the two of the flats. You don't know what the what the works would have been required. And I was just thinking, yeah, it's very hard to to bid on a property without having seen the internals. And the reason I'm laughing and talking about bedrooms is because I did bid on and won a property where I hadn't walked around the internals, and it was a thirteen bed uh, two properties, which I hadn't walked around. That's a lot of bedrooms not having looked at. <laughs> it it is, but I did have a someone that I trusted implicitly have a look at the property and I'd had a look at the property externally at the time. But uh, anyway, that's another story. I think uh, I think that's given us a, a good insight into, into that selection process, one which hopefully the listeners have found interesting. I, I certainly have. I think it's uh, it's really good to have these conversations and we, and we, we like chatting about property. This is, this is the podcast after all. Indeed. If anyone has any comments or questions on Simon's selection or deselection criteria, please do drop us a note via thebusinessofproperty.com. Do get in touch with us. And if you have any feedback, anything at all, please do reach out to us. We've been getting emails and we're, we're very grateful for that. And that's, that's kind of launched this series. So thank you very much. And finally, if you are enjoying the show and getting any value, please do share it with other people. And if you're feeling really kind, leave us a rating and review. Other than that, we'll see you next week.